With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan, friend of the Shire Sacks. <laughs> Ethan, we have some things to take care of here. We got to catch the listeners up a little bit. Uh-oh. I invited you onto my stream, and yes. the first thing you declared was that you won the crash course. Care to explain yourself, sir? I, I have nothing to say. We, we <laughs> checked the books. We checked the numbers. <laughs> And I was wrong. I think it was basically a tie if you don't count one card. Which is? Which is Entraft Basin. Well, there's more news on that front. Because What's the news? During the early access, I savagely lost to Entraft Basin from one of my <laughs> no. opponents. Yeah. Entraft Basin and the stupid Stern Scolding card, which is actually amazing. Which is actually right? just good. Yeah. yeah. Actually just good. But I in the same same draft, same game. Got wrecked by Entroff Basin and Stern Scolding and promptly lost. If that person is out there listening to me, I would love to send you some chocolates, some flowers. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I had no idea because, yeah, you raided my stream. I, I, I streamed a little bit longer than you did on Thursday during the early access event. And someone was like, no one tell Ethan what. Ben just lost to, but yeah. no one literally, actually, no one did. No one did. I was amazed yeah. that Twitch chat kept their mouth shut. It was well yeah. done to my, to my viewers. Yeah. So I, I did, I did, I thought I had won the crash course and, I, and then of course Ben's competitive ears perked up and he immediately pulled up the spreadsheet of our grades and we reviewed, we went right to the tape. Something, honestly, I'm sort of shocked we've never done before and I may, it might be some good YouTube content to do down the road, like after early access or after a week with the cards, go back and and see who won. I think that'd be fun. I don't know if our friendship could handle it. We're both very proud people. We are <laughs> both very proud people. Yeah. As you were arguing that uh, the Flash 3-2 in blue that Scry's won when it ETBs was still a C, I was like, well, if you're not if you're not going to be honest <laughs> with yourself about the grades, then this doesn't count. But I think basically you got a lot of as we said, small points for like commons, basically grading, you know, things from that I said were, you know, C's, you said were D's. Um, and then I, I think I got a lot of points for specifically the sagas, but a lot of the uncommons, some bigger points of like, I said things were B's when you said they were C's. But yeah, and draft basin, which I, I played a couple times during, during early access. Uh, I did find a really good use for it, which um, is you can actually discard it to the second level of the ring tempts you. And that's actually, I mean, that's a really was, good use for it. It was super real for my opponent with spirit tokens for what it's worth. Yeah, it was quite good. It was very slow. I don't think it's a good card. I stand by it being an F, but I did get crushed by it. Yeah, that's very funny. I wow. You say that's what a treat for me <laughs> to wait until recording the show to, to find this out. But but Entraft Basin aside, um, or maybe Entraft Basin included, we have a lot of updates, I think, from our initial thoughts, a lot of stuff that I think we assumed correctly um, as we've gotten, you know, nearly a dozen 
dozen drafts for Ben, a few less for me during early access, and we both went to and respectively crushed and semi-crushed our pre-releases. You you got first place, sir. Yeah, Warney Brothers represented. Me and my oldest brother, Nick, went, uh, the one of my friends from high school and one of his acquaintances. Uh, we all took the pre-release by storm, and Nick and I were at the top table uh, in the finals, and I, I barely took him down. I had a pretty sweet black-white deck, and he was rocking black-green rares. Amazing. You love to see it. Yeah, I took uh, second place this afternoon, losing two in the finals, uh, both my own Mana Screw and Mana Flood, but also my opponent just on like blue-green pre-con scries with like Ooh. our Arwen and Elrond and all that good stuff. I was like, yeah, there's uh, you couldn't like draft a deck as good as that. It was, uh, it was excellent. So shout out to them and excited to talk about uh, all of our updated thoughts to the Lord of the Rings set. Yeah, I'm really glad that they're doing the pre-releases before the digital release. It's just awesome to get to go a pre-release with my brother. Like That just wouldn't happen if the digital release were before the pre-release in store. So shout out to Game Night for putting on an awesome event. I had a blast and shout out to Wizards for making the pre-releases before the digital release. Boom. So a little bit of housekeeping to get through before we dive into our updated thoughts about this summer set. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. We always love to hype up the Patreon around new set time because all of our patrons get access to the Lords of Limited Discord, which is just a fantastic community of like-minded individuals for that 24-7 limited tech support. There, If there is a channel that you in the far reaches of your mind are thinking, I wonder if there's a chat room for me to talk about this kind of thing with other limited junkies. There is in the Lord's Limited Discord because we have just, I, I can't tell you, numerous, <laughs> innumerable channels in our discord it's uh it's a bit it's a bit overwhelming at times i will say but in a good way it's just a fantastic place to get to talk about limited especially around new set time so the new set drop in this weekend we got people posting pictures of their sealed pools that crushed their pre-releases and then once the set goes live online on tuesday boy howdy those channels are going to be popping off and if you're interested in getting in on the ground floor of that discussion if you want to be in with those people in in the trenches as it were the the orcish and uh, and gobliny trenches, as it were, for this set. Um, I think I think that's a great place to go. And there's other things that you can get as well for giving back to the show. Access to the show a day in advance, ad free. Access to our show notes if you want to see the show in written form. Have that document to go back to if need be. And all the way up the reward tier ranks, you get access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. So if any or all of that sounds of interest to you, or if you just want to support the show in that way, head on over to the Patreon page. And of course, we want to shout out our patrons the first week that they join. So this week we are welcoming Tim, Evan. T.Y., Chris, James, Peacetime Fawn, and the Orc Lord himself, Ugluk. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. You're talking about all the channels, and I was thinking, what better way to decide who won the crash course than in the recent episode feedback? No. Just let the people choose. No. Victor. Why would you do that to me? That's already the channel that tortures me the most. Show's also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc. Coolstuffinc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And right now, you better believe it, that cool stuff is Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle Earth. Has the One Ring been found yet? Maybe not. You might order... <laughs> a box of collector boosters that has the one of one serialized ring in it. It could be yours. And please, when you order those collector booster boxes or, you know, draft boosters, because you're a reasonable human being to put in the closet and draft with some some Lord of the Rings fans down the road. 
Use checkout code LOL, all caps, to get 5% off anything in the store. Yeah, I, I love that you always talk about buying booster boxes like you can't draft them immediately. You're like, you got, you don't <laughs> need to order it, but you can't draft it right now. You have to put it in a closet, set it and forget it, then take it out two years from now. I don't have that many friends available on demand. <laughs> I just am saying from my perspective, it will be yeah, yeah. quite some time if I buy a booster box before I will get to draft it in person. There's no, Jasper, Indiana is a small place, friend. I hear you. I hear you. So if you're friend rich, buy a booster box right now and crack it open as soon as it gets delivered to your door with seven other awesome drafters. Okay, I, I want to throw this out there as a as a sort of disclaimer or maybe to, to clear the air a little bit. You've said it. I've said it. Many content creators are saying it. And perhaps it's something that's said that, that doesn't have any meaning or we're saying it by meaning different things. A lot of us have referred to this format as a corset. Ben, what does a corset mean to you? I think it is lower power level, kind okay. of just entry level, good old fashioned magic. I think, you know, removal is a little better. Card advantage is a little better. The power is lower overall. Cards are a little more straightforward. And I think the color pairs are pretty clearly defined. And the, and the best things to do are what those color pairs say they're going to do largely. Not that there isn't other stuff to discover, but that that's face forward kind of the first way to dive into the format. Yeah, I, I think I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I one I was like, there hasn't been a core set in like four years, right? We have this set, then we had Alchemy Horizons last year. And then the year before we had AFR, like, I just don't think that this is a good way to describe a set to anybody. I mean, even people are like, what do you mean when you say prince or pauper format? Like these descriptors for formats aren't helpful at face value. And so I wanted to dive a little deeper. And for me, I think it's what you, that last point about like the archetypes being clearly defined, maybe bobbing and weaving being less optimal in the draft. And certainly that that first point you made about the power level being lower. So I don't know, maybe, maybe we just keep calling them core sets or whatever. Maybe we say like entry level sets, something like that, um, or summer sets, because that is it does seem like that's the trend, right? We're getting however, whatever sort of, you know, um, flavor blanket is being put over these formats. These summer sets, I think, are meant as these lower power, more introductory level sets. And, and that's okay. I'm not throwing any shade at those sets. I just think it's a clear distinction from, you know, coming off the heels of March of the Machine. Yeah, it's kind of like a palate cleanser, which is good. Uh, but I do want to push back against you saying bobbing and weaving is a little less Ooh. optimal in the draft. I think that's pretty important in this draft format because those archetypes are so defined that if you mm -hmm. find the open archetype, people aren't going to want your cards and you're going to get them late. And a lot of the best cards are the gold cards. A lot of the power is in, in the gold uncommons and the gold rares. That's fair for you to push back on that. I think what I mean by bobbing and weaving being less good, and, and maybe we're, we actually just disagree here. That's fine too. But by less bobbing and weaving, I think I mean, it feels like I'm cooking less as the draft goes, if that makes sense. Like, it doesn't feel like I'm like, ooh, and if I take this card, then these things work together and I'm building this little stew. It does feel like I want to find that sort of hook. And so that doesn't mean I'm not going to jump ship for that pick five or pick six signpost uncommon if I see it because I want to find that open lane. But I'm less, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not cooking as much in the draft, if that makes sense. Right. Less room to brew and be creative for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the other big thing I want to talk about right off the bat is the ring. The ring tempts you. What was your impression of playing with that mechanic? Because I, I would imagine, you know, if our listeners haven't pre-released yet, they haven't played with this mechanic yet. They don't know what it's like. What was your impression of this mechanic? Well, first of all, my favorite thing from the pre-release 
was realizing that the ring insert yeah. that they gave you was perforated and you could take the ring off and like put it on your creature. It was genius. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Very well designed. Uh, I have second that for sure. I was like, why is this stupid thing perforated? And then someone explained it to me today. And I was like, oh, that's pretty smart. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a very clear way to denote your ring bearer and just very flavorful. Like just mm-hmm. seeing the little ring carried around by your creature. It was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, the ring tempts you, I think, has felt very good. The the levels are kind of what we thought, right? Level one, making your thing legendary is fine and relevant mm-hmm. some of the time. Getting to level two is big game. Like yes. You can get an evasive creature to where you're looting. It's very hard for your opponent to come back from that. Not that it's impossible or that the game's going to end quickly, but you're just seeing so many more cards than they are, and you're basically on gas the rest of the game. Much like blood felt kind of disheartening in that way if your opponent had three blood tokens in Crimson Vow and you knew they were on straight gas. Once the ring's on level two, your opponent's on straight gas the rest of the game for the most part. And then again, level three, where they have to sacrifice the creature blocking, that's largely irrelevant. And then getting to chapter four is big game again, I think, once your creature does an extra three damage um, in the fourth chapter of the ring. So uh, two and four, I think, are the big levels. And we kind of called that going into it. And two feels like achievable four feels like you're really trying to like do that thing like in draft you're like taking as many of the ring tempts you kind of cards and you're building your deck with that in mind i definitely found your sealed deck was kind of like you know a pre-con of busted things but for me i did make some choices of like oh i actually really want to make sure i can get to level two as much as possible of the ring tempts me so i can get that loot and sealed um and so i ended up playing you know a sec you know my my curve was really awkward but i played a ke- second copy of the the raise dead effect that brings back a creature and then has the ring tempt you and i even played that five mana four three that etbs and the ring tempts you in white uh, and then whenever you draw your second card you put a plus plus one counter on it i was just like i just want all the ways I have for the ring to tempt me and my two colors to go in this deck. Um, yeah, I have really loved how this mechanic has played out. It feels powerful and snowbally to me, but not in an oppressive way like perhaps some mechanics or cards or archetypes were from, you know, Phyrexia All Be One, for example. Um, it doesn't feel like it's unattainable to keep pace with it. But it does also feel like, like you said, the first person who gets to that level two, or if your opponent just has more ring tempts you than you, they're probably going to win the game. I mean, it's not necessarily the case, but there are are clear like bump ups in advantage at level two and certainly at level four. Yeah, I liked the legendary level matters like it, it matters the least of the four layers, but I have liked that additional piece of the puzzle of like, oh, this is a legendary creature now for me because that matters or, oh, that's a legendary creature for my opponent and I have to kill it. Like having that be a relevant piece of the puzzle I found to be fun. And just in a general sense, like, and I don't know if you had this experience as well, it didn't take me long, but it did take me a couple drafts, I would say, for my general heuristics to update. And maybe heuristics isn't the right word, but my like sort of default thinking, like as I was checking, like, oh, how many legendaries do I have? Then chat would remind me, well, every instance of the ring tempts you is also a legendary or, okay, any draw two stuff I have, well, you know, you can sort of how much ring tempting do you have to get to that second layer? Like those were not things that I had internalized yet, like the skulk, the legendary part, the incoming loots. Those were things that I didn't take into account yet in the draft. And even in the game, they were there were surprise things that came up as well. So I would 
say to our, our listeners out there who haven't played with this yet, there's probably going to be a little bit of a lag effect there. Yeah, that part wasn't so much for me. The thing I have really internalized at this point is that you need to carefully choose which creature is your ring bearer. Yeah. You, you really want a creature with higher toughness than power, which we, like we knew that going in, like we had talked about that a little bit, but it really matters that your ring bearer has higher toughness than power. Yes, but I also think that one of the reasons I like this mechanic so much is its ability to make derpy one ones relevant creatures later in the game. Well, but they're not so relevant though, right? Because you don't want your one one ring bearer to trade with your opponent's one one token, right? You want it to be a one three sure. to mow through the tokens, or you want it to be a bird that's in the air that's getting through uncontested. You don't want it to be a random ground creature that's going to trade off. Yes, I agree. It becomes relevant if it can connect, if it has a clear attack. Yeah, I don't want it trading off. Yeah. So I think that was the part for me is the, the toughness mattering thing. And then just also timing out removal for your opponent's ring bearer. Yeah. Right? Like if you can wait and get your opponent's ring bearer off the battlefield, or if they choose the wrong creature to be their ring bearer, you know, the one you wanted to kill anyway. So just the choosing of the ring bearer also has some interesting dynamics to it. Yeah. But I, I found that all to add to the gameplay. And like I said, maybe there wasn't a lag effect for you. For me, there was a little bit, but caught up pretty quickly. And then I really enjoyed the gameplay of the ring and it felt pretty intuitive after that yeah and i will say once the gets to level four the game ends quickly quickly yeah three life adds up adds up pretty darn fast all right we're gonna take a quick ad break and then we'll be back to chat about the colors this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. let's talk about work life balance ben as a teacher i know you don't get the typical nine to five clock in clock out leave work at work kind of life no, definitely not. For about nine to 10 months out of the year, there's a lot of six, sometimes seven days a week where you're going you know, 12 hours a day, 13, 14, 15 hours a day. There's, there's a lot going on there. But then two months out of the year, summer, <laughs> that's golden, baby. And for content creation, there's always more you could be doing, right? There's a tweet you could respond to, a deck tech to do in Discord, an additional podcast you could release, a YouTube video you could make. It's hard to define when the workday ends and when the time for me begins. Striking balance in any aspect of your life, whether it be social, emotional, or simply creating clear work-life boundaries can be tricky, and therapy is a great way to work through these difficult situations. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Lords. And now, back to the show. All right, Ben, it's your favorite part. Ranking colors, ranking archetypes after, you know, even before day zero. That's what, what, the, people, that's what the people want. We got to give the people what it's they want. What it's what you want. Let's be clear. <laughs> that's what I want because I want to be right because I'm yeah. whatever an egotistical maniac <laughs> like that. But the people also want that info. They want the takes. All right. So let's let's dive in. I think even more than the ranking, I really think one of the most important things in this draft format is that you really need to make your cards more than their individual power level. The power level is super flat and super low, I think, just in general. And you really need to dive into the color pair synergy 
really to try to maximize your value in the format. And we'll talk about, I think, when we get to your archetype power rankings that are uh, certainly correct and will never change or shift as the format progresses. Obviously. Um, obviously. But I think when we get to that, we'll talk about or it'll it'll show through the tiers which ones we think are more successful and which ones we think are are lacking in that respect. Here's what I want to know. What happened to the gracious Ethan Sachs host that usually compliments me on how well I lay out the format early on? I'm just getting jabs about my rankings here. It's cuz I I feel like I feel like I I got to I got to make up for my end draft. Jason, <laughs> I'm just feeling a little punchy, a little defensive right now. I'm sorry. All right. So diving into the colors, the initial color ordering for us, and I think we're both on the same page about this, is black in first place. Although I do want to touch on that a little bit. Black's commons okay. are just very good, very deep. Second place, blue, again, very good, very deep. Third place, red, again, very good at the top, and then maybe thins out a smidge bit, but I would generally say Grixis format. You know, if we try to to put formats into shards, blue, black, blue, red, and red, black, all three excellent decks. So if you start out in those three colors, I think you're going to end up in a pretty good place. In fourth, white, and in fifth, green. From you, I would have green in fourth and white in fifth, especially if we're looking at commons. I think white's commons are really weak, but we're, we're at the same at the top and then a, a little different towards the end. Yeah, and I was positing, and we, we usually, you know, sometimes we'll hash things out, but I was just saying, I think that having these these conversations is better than coming to the listener as a united front and one of us conceding a point here. And, and you know, I'll be honest, Ben is usually more right about this stuff than I am. So, there he is. You know, Give me I more mean, of that. You are truly. And so I, I think if that's what you want to take away from this, then, you know, sure, have white in, in last. Your statement about white's commons being so junky, like when we get later to the, in the show notes, when we talk about you know, what we think maybe the re-ranking of the top three commons in each color is, your first note with white was, I just don't care white's commons are bad. That's my exact feeling about green. Like, I feel that way about green's commons, most of green's uncommons, the green rares that I've seen. I think the one thing that's missing from me in terms of my appreciation of green that you've had the chance to do is I haven't played with the blue green deck yet. And so I don't quite know that deck's power level, but I've played with black white a lot. And I assume that blue white is good enough. Um, like in my head, I like understand what that deck looks like. I haven't played with it yet though, that I feel fine about, you know, a handful of white's commons and green's commons. I just, I just don't like at, at all. I hear that. And I do think white pairs better with the colors than yeah. green does. Like black white's a better deck than black green, blue white's a better deck, I think than blue green. I, I would concede all that. And I, I think red white is also a super real deck too. Yes. White green would be the only white deck I really wouldn't want to be at this point after playing with cards, but even that can come together too, I think. I would just say looking at the cards in a vacuum. But again, maybe that's not what this is about because the, the first piece of advice I gave was all the commons are kind of mediocre in a vacuum mm -hmm. so you need to make them more than the sum of their parts so uh, if we're looking at it in deck context i would certainly rank white ahead of green in the context of white makes better decks i think and this is again this is just off the back of us having you know a few drafts in early access under our belts plus sealed which isn't nothing but there's certainly room for these evaluations to change and shift and grow but i i don't usually like to feel this sort of like well this color's unplayable or this color's broken like i'm like let's they're all beautiful snowflakes in their own way <laughs> and i want to play with each of them but green's not this time huh i really feel strongly like stronger than i think a lot of people felt about 
blue in whatever in AFR. Like I was like, oh, I'll play with some. I'll mess around with blue in AFR and uh, and Alchemy Horizons. I don't care, but I don't really want to touch green with a ten foot pole right now. That's fair. And I, I again, I do think I feel very good about the advice that the Grixis color pairs are excellent and a great place to start for your first drafts of the format. Yeah, for sure. Well, so and and we you know we talked a lot about the ring. The ring tempts you because that's the new big thing. But worth noting, I think about amass orcs and that's where it is concentrated in the grixis color pairs and surprise surprise last time we saw amass in war of the spark the that was a grixis format as well right though those were the color pairs you wanted to be in there amass is really strong in this format it's really strong it's really good black's cards that say amass on them are just incredible and all playable i think similarly for blue some of the combat tricks are a little more suspect but for example dunlin crabane the two in a black one one flyer that brings an amass two orc army along with it that card's just nutter butters right it's just yeah so solid i will say for black's cards they're all intrinsically good and i think they are the most intrinsically good cards in the format on their own and they do combine well with each other and the other blue and the red cards i think maybe the ceiling on some of those decks isn't quite as high as some of the blue decks where you you're really drawing a ton of cards and doing a little more unfair things. I could see that. I, and you're speaking specifically about blue red, right? Uh, not specifically blue red, also blue white. I, I got absolutely smacked by Crokies playing a blue white control deck that had double bath song and double lembus and he was just looping his deck and gaining some life and it was just really tough to fight through shout out to known limited grinder <laughs> croakies just destroying ben with blue white control on day zero and he showed me the light yeah no it's pretty pretty sweet uh yeah so i feel good about the ordering of those top three right now for me, I feel good about green being in last place but that general sense of the depth of those colors at common but but i guess is that important, do you think? If we're talking about so much of it's important to like find the open color pair and that's locked up in the uncommons, like, you know, I was talking about I really like black white. It's just the deck I wanted it to be. And you said, well, isn't that just black's cards and then the white signposts are good? And a few more of like white's uncommons like Samwise or Tale of Sunuvial that we'll talk about a little later. Right. It's the uncommons. So I'm wondering if us saying like, well, this color at common isn't that good. Like, does that matter? Uh Maybe not. I mean, there are some packs, and we'll get into this maybe if we have a time to get into the draft log. You run into packs in this format that are atrocious. Yes. <laughs> Where you're just like, I don't want you just take any a of these cards. Yeah. Yes, it really is like a mulligan. You just take a card and put it straight into your sideboard, or you sometimes run into them early too. And maybe it's just coming off March of the Machine, but I don't think so. There are just literally some stinker packs. Yeah, and I think the thing to recognize from those packs is like you're gonna have time right if even if it's your first pick like 60 seconds on the clock to make your pick to make a pick that largely doesn't matter a pick that will not dictate anything in the course of your draft at all but it's it's easy because you're so primed to give weight to those picks that it's hard when those picks aren't the ones that matter well except i will say if you run into those early and like the best card in the pack happens to be a green or a white card sometimes it might be right to still take a black or a blue or a red card yes. just so you don't accidentally find yourself ending up in white green like i was looking back at one of my draft logs and i just accidentally ended up in green for no reason <laughs> well partially because i didn't quite understand how good some of the blue and black cards were yet but i very easily could have drafted blue black when i just drafted green and went 
03 promptly, maybe not entirely as a result of green, but had outs to get into a much better deck, I think. But partially it was because I saw weak packs at the beginning where the best cards were green and I just let myself get steered into green, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. All right. So let's give the people what they want. What are your archetype power rankings? We have three tiers here, kind of only two tiers, but tier one, these are the decks I feel very good about. Black, red, blue, black, blue, red. We said the Grixis color pairs, and I would also throw black, white, and blue, white along with that. And again, that just goes back to black and blue being the top colors. The one Mm -hmm. deck that I could see being tier one that isn't up there is red, white. The red, white aggro deck is very potent when it comes together. I just think there's a bit of a, a worry there for me in that you play a lot of low powered cards intrinsically that end up being very aggressive and working well together to get your opponent dead. But if it doesn't come together, your deck really falls flat. I had a couple junker red, white aggro decks that didn't quite get there. But I think when you do, it is very potent. So tier two, red, white with potential to move up to tier one and then blue, green, black, green and green, white there also and bring up the rear in tier three, red, green, not a fan. Yeah, red green was my, my, I even knew it like as it was happening, I was like, this is a bad draft. (laughs) But like, I don't know what else I was supposed to do. And I had some of the signposts and some beef from green and, and I went 02 drop and I was like, yep, I'm done. I'm done with green. <laughs> Never like, again, huh? It just felt so like as it was happening, I was like, these are this is all bad. Nothing good is happening here. I don't know. I can't I can't explain it other than that. Yeah. No, I hear that. And I think blue and black ahead of the others for me, they've got the best card advantage and the best removal. And both those things are very good because the format's lower powered. So you have time to draw some cards and then you have removal to pick off your opponent's key creatures because so much of the synergy or the power is tied up in uncommon or rare creatures that, you know, tie the room together synergy-wise, deck-wise. And if you can pick off that linchpin creature, a lot of times your opponent's strategy then falls apart a little bit and, again, goes back to being quite underpowered. Well, and another thing that we haven't talked about yet either, we talked about a mass briefly, but one of the things that blue and black also get in spades is because they have a mass, there's a lot of, like, you know, maybe it's not two for ones, but but two rectangles for one kind of thing. I know people want me to say that word some more. Um, but then there's <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also a lot of ring tempts you attached to those. You know, we talk about like, birthday escape, right? Single blue sorcery draw card plus the ring tempts you. What is that? A one and a half for one? Like how much is the ring tempting you worth a piece of a card? Not really a valuable conversation, but getting to like have, helping yourself get to that, you know, automatic loot for your ring bearer is pretty darn good. And blue and black have a lot of that. Birthday escape is currently my pet card in the format. I am obsessed with that card. I know you want that to be blues. Number one common. I really do. Yeah. Um, the other side of that coin and why green and white, I think are in last place is food fell flat. You know, I was really hopeful about, Ooh, it looks like they're using food in these, you know, unique ways. We got that, like the, the two and a white two, three farmer that makes a food and then gives something plus and plus one until end of turn for all the food you have. Oh, is food just going to be a resource? Is, is many parting single green, find a basic, make a food. Is this a tune with ether? No, not. I feel like food just barely matters so far. Well, not that it barely matters, but again, that deck folds to removal targeting your creatures that matter and doesn't mount a significant enough offense to stop your opponent from doing that to well, you. And and can't compete in the removal department with, with black, can't compete in the card advantage department with blue. 
you know, does I feel like the green, I feel like green doesn't add to the ring temp to conversation almost at all. And white does it, you know, not really attached to many good cards. It's, it's tough. It's a tough sell. I agree. Tough sell for sure. All right. Let's talk about a lot of, we have a pretty long list of individual commons and uncommons that have either overperformed or underperformed. A lot of overperformers are what we're going to, going to highlight here. First up I have on the list is the land cyclers. These have all impressed me largely. They're they're good for light splashes, which you you do do sometimes. They're good for reanimating or rebuying, like you you can do in black and white. And generally, they're just good effects if you get to the point in the game where you can cast them. Right, like white is interested in you know an anthem for its team with the three three flyer. Black is interested in a big dumb threat. That's fine. Blue is definitely interested in oh, you know the blue one's <laughs> a, so good a five mana draw three. But then it just turns out you know coming off the heels of mom that that one is a lot less than two you know slotting that one mana for land cycling in along your curve is a lot easier than two mana yeah cosine the land cyclers are all very impressive i think the the blue one is far and away the best in my mind yes uh, also black and white i think the and the green one too is just like annoyingly huge imagine imagine playing green cards that's interesting <laughs> imagine playing green cards and the red one is the one i am the least impressed with but I, yes. I agree they have all overperformed expectations and the blue one especially is just incredible yeah all right moving on to Aaron rider of gondor this is two and a white for a three two and when etbs you draw a card and then put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library Unless you control a legendary, in which case you just get a draw card. Do you think this was maybe a, a big miss for us for not putting it in either of our top three white commons last week? I don't think so. We've seen this effect before and it wasn't great. Also, I ran hotter than the sun with this card at the pre-release. What I do had, you mean? I had two legendaries, I think, and maybe two ways for the ring to tempt me and two errand riders. And they always drew me a card. Every single time I never had to rummage one. Wow. What's it like? This, that was a total aside. I just was running on fire with this card. But I think looting is just good enough, right? And then mm -hmm. when you draw the card, it just feels very yeah. good. Because, again, there's not intrinsic power. And a three mana, three two draw card is intrinsic power. Like you're ahead when you do that. And there are a lot of playable two drop legends. It's not unrealistic to play two drop legend into Aaron Rider of Gondor on curve. And then when you play at late game, you're also almost always going to have a legendary, you know, turn six, turn seven, turn eight, turn nine. Yeah. So I think, you know, currently in our, you know, Ben sort of throwing his hands up and saying, I don't care what white stop commons are. I think we, we currently have this as our number one white common, but we'll talk about that a bit more when we, when we get to that list. Next up, your boy, Sam Wise the Stouthearted. Is there anything this card can't do? One and a white for a 2-1 legendary creature with flash. When it enters the battlefield, choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Return it to your hand, then the ring tempts you. This card is awesome. I had the pleasure of playing two Samwises in a deck uh, during uh, early access, and I didn't realize this, but they can just juggle each other. You just like put them both into the battlefield. They legend rule themselves. One goes to the yard. It grabs that one, rinse, repeat, and it just lets you turbo ring tempt to level four. Um, it can get back any permanent. So it gets back sagas as well, like a saga we're about to talk about. Um, it's interesting because it's like a white, you know, white. You're like, oh, it's aggressive, whatever. I found this to be really awesome in black, white, which is not 
an aggressive deck at all. I would imagine in you know more aggressive shells like maybe white red, it's probably not very good. Slash, you just feel like you have to run it out as a bad goblin piker some amount of the time. But uh, but if you can maximize it, I think it's going to be excellent. Yeah, blue white and black white Samwise is going to be OP. Next up, Tale of Tenuvial, Ben. You a believer now? I am a huge believer. Had two of these in my sealed pool at the pre-release. Played with it in draft some. The card is weirdly good. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's good, but it's hard to describe until you play with it. Like the game just kind of stops. Yes. For two well, turns. And it's best, at least in my experience, when you're behind. I mean, it's fine when you're ahead, too. But it gives you a lot of time to catch up because you have a blocker and then also just excellent with the land cyclers, right? Because you can make yes. sure there's something in your graveyard to reanimate. But then when chapter three goes off and you get the lifelink, like, so the game kind of pauses. I'm going to cut in here real quick, just because we've talked about this card without reading the card. We've danced around it, but it's five mana for the saga. Target creature you control gains indestructible for as long as you control Tales of Nunuville. It's chapter one. Chapter two returns a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Chapter three, up to two target creatures you control each gain lifelink until end of turn. So that's what you're talking about with the game just stops and why it's better when you're behind. Because what I was thinking about was, okay, what I'm comparing this to was five mana, sorcery speed, get back a thing from your graveyard to the battlefield. We have seen that time and time again. It's usually not great, but fine, can be played. But you're getting that, plus you're getting two other things, right? Lifelink for two things for a turn is is something. Um, Indestructible for two turns is something. I didn't realize how impactful Indestructible for two turns was actually going to be. It's really impactful. The game just stalls out completely because the creature is indestructible. And then imagine combining this with something like Samwise just completely goes over the top. And I think also the land cyclers do really push up the power level of this card. Yeah, agreed. And just all the sagas in general, except for poor long story <laughs> of the ends. But the cycle of sagas other than the, the long tale of the ends is are really good. The book of what is it? Mazerable. I don't know if that's on our list here. It is on our list. I put it on okay, there. Okay, yeah. great. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Talk to me now about Birthday Escape. I don't know if I've cast this card yet, actually. Oh, I'm obsessed. Blue draw card ring tempts you is just good in the format. I think you're you're interested in that effect. And then it has an excellent home in blue-white to trigger your second draw in the turn. Blue-red, mm. you're interested in turboing spells and triggering all your spells matter stuff or just putting spells in the yard in some cases. And just giving the ring bearer for free, essentially, is also just really powerful. I don't think you're ever cutting birthday escape from any deck. And I think it's actively insane in blue-white and red-white. Or uh, blue-white and red-blue. I'm fine. I, li- I like the take that it's blue's best common. Woo. All right. I mean, you no, no pushback from me yet. Talk to me in a week and we'll see. All right. Uh, next up is another saga here. The Bath Song, three and a blue. Chapters one and two, draw two cards, then discard a card. Chapter three, shuffle any number of target cards from your graveyard into your library, add blue, blue. So I feel like I'm just going to say the thing I said during the crash course, which is just like, I don't think the looping, never decking stuff or whatever that chapter three implies is going to come up a lot, even though Crokies did crush your soul with it. But like, if you resolve this and you're not, immediately dead like i just feel like it's really hard to lose this is so much card advantage so much card advantage and i do think 
it's real to have two of these and play yes. for the game to go long. I mean, very real. Yeah, or pick it up with a sandwich. Like, it doesn't have to be just this, right? Or just two copies of this, right? You could do this in Samwise. Right, or this in the green card that returns a permanent from your graveyard to your hand. There's several ways to do it. But but that would require putting forests in your deck, which... Again, <laughs> yes, illegal yeah. according to you, not according to me. <laughs> I bless you playing with forest, dear listeners. But I will say, Bathsong, we talked about, you know, the Crash Course kind of being a tie. You had some huge hits, like Tale of Tenuvial, Bathsong. The cards you were right about are cards that are excellent yeah these are they're like, very powerful cards you were higher than me and i think we both should have been higher on them like you, yes. you were even a little low still being higher than me yeah i think i came down i was like yeah maybe it's a c plus maybe a four mana do nothing or whatever but turns out it does does quite a bit yeah bath song is just super solid b and we also have more just raw card advantage on this list right yeah arwen's gift the four mana scry two, draw two lorian revealed that's the island cycler that lets you draw three cards just raw card draw has been very powerful, assuming you are, you know, taking precautions to not die, like playing removal and some defensive speed. But just good old fashioned control decks, I think, are back. Yeah. Talk to me about this next little guy. Urkai Berserker. Uh, not in the sense that I think this is good, but this is two and a black for a three, two ETBs ring tempts you. It's an orc berserker. It just does enough. Like I've never been unhappy casting it. I'm always mildly annoyed when my opponents cast it. Not a great card, but just an excellent sea level magic card. Yeah, I don't want this to be true, but I think it is. Yeah. I think Tagline it is almost always just barely does enough in the yeah. show notes. <laughs> Next up is one of my favorite cards. Rally at the Hornburg, one on a red sorcery. It's forbidden friendship. Uh, create two one one white human soldier creature tokens. Humans you control gain haste until end of turn. I mean, early contender for golden egg of the format for me is Rally at the Hornburg. Um, I know Lembus has is the you know the the people's favorite here, but Rally at the Hornburg is just you know excellent in red white human aggro. It's sack fodder in red black if you're interested in that. It's uh, a spell, spell that in red the blue. Board. Yeah, blue, like. What doesn't this card do? And you have it here, like just late game or even on turn three, if you've got the one one menace in your deck and you're playing mono red like I was the other day. But like the fact that this gives humans you control haste until end of turn, meaning that like on turn four, you can play a two drop and this and then they all have haste. That packs a huge punch. Huge punch. This card is incredible. I, I honestly kind of want to put it as the best red common ahead no. of the deal three. No, it, it can't be. I know you had some some uh, some tough times in your Oops All Spells deck where you played against X4s a lot. I, I think that's too hot. I don't know. We'll see. We'll come back to it. I'm getting a lot of like deja vu of many times before where you've wanted to make a hot take and I've said, well, that's too hot of a take. And it, it, it narrator, spoiler alert, it was not too hot of a take. So maybe we'll have to go back to the soundbite. All right. Next up, we've got Lothlorien Lookout. This is the one in green one three. And whatever attacks, you scry one. This card's an excellent ring bearer. And I think just key bread and butter common for the blue green deck. The, the scry deck does not function without Lothlorien Lookout as your two drop. And you need several of them. My inability to chime in about green cards aside, I think this is a great... <laughs> I think this is a great time to talk about two mana one threes as excellent bodies in this format. Exactly for what you said. Like, not only are they good ring bearers themselves, but they are also incredible blockers for ring bearers. And this is stuff, again, we knew, stuff we pointed out and talked about last week and even the week before. 
but like really saw it put into practice and our pre-releases and during early access. Well, you don't really know, no, though, like until you don't do it, how important it is. That was when I was like, oh, like when I had to make a 2-1 my ring bearer, when I had to make a 1-1 my ring bearer, and it was just going to trade off. Like you're like, oh, man, you really need it to be a 1-3. Mm-hmm. So yeah, love Lothorian Lookout and 1-3 stat line has been best it's been in a long time in Limited. Hey, yeah, I love to see it. All right, next up is Woe's Pathfinder. This is one in a green for a 1-1. One, one taps to add one man of any color you pay six in a green tap to give another target creature plus three plus three and trample until end of turn this has moved into the green top commons for me and it turns out that a core set in you know lord of the rings clothing as it were green wants to ramp and i think what was pathfinder is a big part of that yeah and i will say having faced this a few times it is you know that that second line of text is really relevant as the games do i don't know if stall is the right word but the they, they do go long enough where this ability sort of looms over you in a sense. Um, and having to like think about, am I really going to, do I need to save a removal spell for this? Do I have, like not a lot of the removal is instant speed, right? So you can't really respond to the activation. So it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real card. Yeah. And it is good at ramping out this next card, which is Enraged Horn, which is four and a green for a four or five with Trample. ETBs, the ring tempts you. This card is also just a house. And certainly, Late in the game, if you get to that chapter four, just closes the game out near instantly, and it helps you get there because it tempts you when it ETBs. I think I'm going to start splashing this card. What? Maybe, maybe I'll put a forest in my deck. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll put a forest in my deck to play this. I don't want to yeah. play base green, but I like I like four or five trample ring tempts you. That's 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 a punch right there. Yeah, card packs a punch for sure. All right, you had a lot of experience with Glorfindel. You told me this was bu- 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 busted. Yeah, this card is borderline illegal in certain <laughs> game states. Glorfindel Dauntless Rescuer. This is two and a green for a three, two. When you scry, you choose one of these and it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So you can either make it be blocked if able or it can't be blocked by more than one creature each combat this turn. If you curve into this on turn three, sometimes your deck can make it a five, four, you know, the next turn, but almost always at least a four, three. So it can just kind of eat things. It makes your opponent's life very weird and that kind of you know crimps what they can play and how they have to play this card was on my radar as kind of filler ish and it is one of the biggest pulls i think into blue green scry where are you at on chance met elves this is two and a green for a three two whenever you scry put a plus and plus one counter on chance met elves this ability triggers only once each turn because again i haven't played it myself but i've played against it a fair bit so far and i've found it to be kind of a problem i don't love it i mean it's fine it goes in the blue green scry deck it if your opponent curves lothlorian lookout which is the one the one three. Uh, one three that scries on attacks that's kind of annoying but that's again way more potent with glorfindel but yeah. again both of those things the reason lothlorian lookout is so key is you play that two drop and then you play the three drop and then you definitely get the scry from the lothlorian lookout plus you can almost always play at least another creature it's right. going to let you scry to give you two triggers in one turn, which is where the, the deck really pops off aggressively. All right, moving out of the danger zone of green cards, we've got Fear Fire Foes. X and a red for a sorcery. Damage can't be prevented this turn. Fear Fire Foes deals X damage to target creature and one damage to each other creature with the same controller. I mean, this is just Plague Wind. Yeah, this card's illegal. Super powerful. Yeah, we. I mean, we thought this was good last week. It's better than that. Better than we thought, for sure. Next up is Book of Mazarbul. This is the red saga. This is Tuna red for an uncommon saga. First chapter, you amass orcs one. Second chapter, you amass orcs two. Third chapter, all creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, and gain menace until end of turn. This card is 
a beating. So much of what you're looking for when you're drafting aggressive red decks, aggressive red-white decks, whatever, is the go-wide payoffs, right? You can get a lot of little derps, but then you're like, and what do what am I doing with all these things once it's turn six or whatever, once it's turn five? And Book of Masurable just does it all. Does it all. And so much of the amass tokens have haste in, in some senses, right? A lot mm-hmm. of times you already have a body and the first chapter is enabling an attack. The second chapter is enabling an attack and the third chapter is enabling a huge swing for your team. The Book of Masurable has just been very oppressive. Next up is Fiery Inscription. This is two in red for an enchantment. And when ETB's Lord of the Ring tempts you, and whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, Fiery Inscription deals two damage to each opponent. Jury was out for me on this card going into the format, and I drafted a sick blue-red spells deck in early access and actually passed one of these because I didn't think this was going to be a key part of the deck. And I, I was obsessed with the, the blue-red Zenith Flare card that you know lets you do damage to a creature equal to the number of instants and sorceries in your graveyard. And then you deal excess damage to your opponent's dome. I think it's Gandalf something. What's the name of that card? Sanction. And I thought Gandalf Sanction was going to be the key part of the deck. And it turns out Fiery Inscription, I think, is just the thing that makes it hum. Fiery Inscription ends the game in a hurry. And that again, there's, I think, a lot of different flavors of blue-red. And it doesn't have to be all-in spells. But if you want to do the all-in spells deck, Fiery Inscription, I think, is the way to do that. Yeah, my first game of early access, I faced NCAA playing uh, blue-red spells with Inscription and double Erebor Flamesmith, the two-mana 2-1 that pings when they when you cast a spell, and he burned me out in a hurry. I was like, yep, well, that deck's real. Well, and it's also real, too, because of the stupid cheater raise the alarms with haste. Yes. The, the rally at the Hornsburg, the thing that makes two one ones with haste. Like the, right, so the spells deck triggering can those yeah. down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Next, Gandalf, Friend of the Shire. We thought this card was good. It's better than we thought, again, I think. Three and a blue for a two four with flash. You can cast sorcery spells as though they had flash, but the big part, whenever the ring tempts you, if you choose a creature other than Gandalf, you draw a card. You know, the ring tempting you, how much of a card is that worth? When it's worth a full card plus, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, we, we didn't shout out this card, but I've had a chance to play with it a bit, and I, I like it quite a lot. Faramir Field Commander, three and a white, three, three. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, if a creature died under your control this turn, you draw a card. But the other text here is whenever the ring tempts you, if you choose a creature other than Faramir as your ring bearer, you make a one, one white human soldier creature token. Now, not as good as drawing a card, obviously, but you know I think we knocked a lot of random, like, well, there's tons of four mana four fours, and these four mana three threes are derps. But like the, the ones that do stuff that are synergistic, that as you sort of pointed out like you can make when you have the opportunity in this format to make things greater than the sum of their parts like faramir in a sacrifice deck or, or whatever um you you really get to reap those rewards well and i think another reason gandalf is especially awesome is the blue deck wants to operate at instant speed yeah yeah and gandalf has flash so just put your opponent in a bind speaking of Next one is a point for you. Saruman's Trickery, the one blue-blue counterspell, Amass Orcs 1. Card has been very good. And something I would not have anticipated at all is just way better than the common Essence Scatter variant, the one yeah. in a blue counter creature spell, and the ring tempts you if it was legendary. I think Saruman's Trickery is much better than that card. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to play much blue yet at all. But uh, LSV tweeted about the the counterspells and said that he was re- pretty unimpressed by Glorious Gale so far. And that uh, checks out to me. I mean, we we pointed out the low creature count, right, in the format that the, the commons are uncommon. So it's a lower creature count than we're used to seeing. Um, and so Glorious Gale is going to have less targets. And that's largely because of a lot of the, the quote unquote creatures that we're getting 
otherwise are the amass tokens. Um, so I, I could see it for sure. Yeah, I've, I've liked Saruman's Trickery quite a bit. Next up, another point for you is Horses of the Bruin. And this is three blue blue for a sorcery. Return up to two target creatures to their owner's hand. Scry one, the ring tempts you. Now, now here's a question. Because I think if we're if we're going to start to do this, which I th- I really do think could be some pretty darn good content. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we're our start, friendship. I know you don't think our, you don't know if our friendship can take it, but I think I think we've we're we're six years deep now, baby. Like I think uh, I think we can handle it. But what is it? What's the scoring like? If because you know I I was wooed by your argument last week. I came up to C plus with you. So I don't get as much credit since I brought you up, right? Since like I like I heard your argument and I was like, "You got me." I feel like it's a point when like you hear my argument and you're like, "Nah, I still think like Entraf Basin." I really, really blew it with that. So I, I made score my- more points because you delayed coming to my side, and I was right. Yeah, right. I think. I mean, I don't know how what rubric we're gonna have to do here, but anyway, I just you know you say like point for you, but like yeah, that's a point. But <laughs> you know what we should do? We <laughs> need for fans who are not uh, listeners of Come On in Survivors. Oh no, we need we need like a draft for the listeners. Like they need to choose me or you as their no. champion <laughs> because you're all you're you're always gonna be the the fan favorite. Not fair. Um, but anyway, this card is. Excellent. Bouncing two things. Like what you said, the, the the main thing that really sold me last week was you get a ring bearer and you remove their ring bearer potentially. And and often because their ring bearer is, you know, on some sort of derpy one-one, maybe sometimes, a one-one flyer, perhaps. Feels better to bounce that there. If you reset an amass token, good lord, is that powerful? Scry one, just great. Scry one if you have scry synergies, even better. Card just does a ton. And if you want to, you almost always get a mana advantage as well. Like it's very easy to bounce a three drop and a four drop and just end up way ahead. I guess I have to concede this next card because everyone is singing its praises. I haven't seen it in play yet. It's good. March from the Black Gate, one in a black enchantment. Whenever ETBs and whenever an army you control attacks, amass one. It just snowballs so far out of control and it makes it to where you don't really want to trade with the first one but you kind of have to and then the next one's also a problem just every card that says a mass in your deck is so much better when you have march from the black gate on the battlefield and it also is the build around thing where it like gets you started too right it gets the ball rolling with a one one that can then attack as a two two but oftentimes you can also follow this up with another amass card to where you're swinging with a three three that grows into a four four a four four that grows into a five five it's just really oppressive what happens to the five five then how big does it get? It goes to a 6-6. Six, six. You're so good at math. <laughs> no, I had to ask you. Next up is Stern Scolding. It's single blue for an instant counter target creature spell with power or toughness two or less. This is like just I saw you have this in your hand. Your opponent cast Aowen, which is the three mana two four that can give something for a striker vigilance until end of turn. Uh, and you just cackled. You saw as happiness. You, That's what as you, you saw. fired this off. Yeah. yeah, you saw pure unadulterated joy. Yeah, this card's really good. You were 100% right about it. Next up is Lost to Legend. This is white, white for an instant. Put target non-land historic permanent into its owner's library. Fourth from the top. This card has been impressive removal. 
I mean, four, fourth from the top is just, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone, right. Well, and also the best cards are legendaries, right? The rares are legends. Yes. Like the, the uncommons are legends. Your, ring yeah. bear, your opponent's ring bear is legend. When it's chapter four, there's blowouts there. There's just not a lot of good instant speed interaction, and lost a legend is premium removal. And the last of our overperformers is the Mouth of Sauron, three blue-black for a 3-4. When Mouth of Sauron enters the battlefield, target player mills three cards. Then you amass Orcs X, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in that player's graveyard who are you targeting you're targeting yourself right Targeting yourself most of the time unless you're playing against blue red spells in which this is especially illegal but i mean i've only seen this card cast once but just in theory like it's excellent i'm pretty confident that the blue black deck is nuts and if you're blue black you're going to be running a lot of removal and a lot of card draw it just is classic control and this is so many stats rolled up in one card i think it's pretty trivially easy for this to be a three four and a three three and that's an excellent Magic the Gathering card. I had this, and I was splashing a couple other uh, blue-black cards in a blue-red you know, spells-ish deck, no, nowhere near the Oops All Spells deck you had. And this was just great. It was just a 5-mana 3-4 plus a 3-3 three, three or a 4-4. Four, four. That's ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. All right, some sad underperformers. I guess point, big point for you here. I mean, Nimrodel Watcher just doesn't get there at all. One on a blue for a 2-1. Elf Scout, whenever you scry, it gets plus one, plus oh until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn. This ability triggers only once each turn. This card is just, I thought, oh, this is like a build around at common. You get a handful of these and this is your aggro, whatever. It's just not great at all. And largely because, you know, we talked about already the good positioning of one threes in the format of low power, high toughness creatures, not only because they are good ring bearers themselves, but excellent blockers for ring bearers. Two ones and three ones are atrocious bodies in the format. Yeah, really not good. Well, and the other reason this suffers is Lothlorien Lookout is the card you need at two for the blue green scry deck. So Nimrodel Watcher then doesn't come down on curve and it's just super awkward when it doesn't come down on curve. Yeah, no, this just this card just isn't it. Next up is Hobbit Sting. I was really hot on this card, and I have dropped a ton. It's one and a white for an instant, deals X damage to target creature, where X is the number of creatures you control, plus the number of foods you control. It's just awkward. Like, when you're ahead, you don't need it a lot of the time. And when you're behind or at parity, it doesn't kill what you want often enough that it's been pretty awkward for me. Yeah, I, I will co-sign that for sure. I also co-sign and our, our fellow, you know, haters of pacifism rejoice. Aura removal is back to being quite poor. That's fog on the barrow downs and bewitching leechcraft, respectively, in white and blue. The sort of pacifism turns it into a spirit and the tap a thing, keep a thing tapped unless they remove a plus and plus one counter from it. Those are just really poor removal spells if you can even call them removal spells yeah completely agree with that there's also in black the morgul knife wound that card oh, is just yeah. unplayable <laughs> one of a black enchant creature enchanted creature gets minus three minus oh and then at the beginning of rep keep your opponent has the ability to pay two life to keep it around that card is horrible one in a black give your opponent a blocker for the ring bearer yeah uh, the, uh, the only reason i didn't realize how bad it was until my older brother played it against me twice at the pre-release and i just savagely crushed him both times he cast and i was like mm, yeah that's a really bad one i, I would have thought it was fine uh, just all the aura removal really underperforms yeah next up we've got dunadane rangers it's three and a green for a four four with landfall whenever land enters the battlefield under your control if you don't control a ring bearer the ring tempts you. It's kind of a bummer, right? That it, like 
I think maybe we just shortcutted this to be like, oh, it's just going to you're just going to get up up to the next level. But it's not always going to do that. Right. I didn't realize that when I read it. Classic me not reading cards. But when you don't get to always tempt, this really doesn't do the thing at all. Doesn't do anything. You're just better off playing the enraged horn, the the four five trample that that tempts you when it ETBs. That's just a significantly better card than Dunedain Rangers. So Dunedain Rangers, I think, fell back to largely replaceable for me. Uh, And lastly, I I must push back against this good sir, but but you can you can tell me what this card is. Well, like underperforming in the sense that you know we don't overperforming doesn't mean they're awesome, and underperforming doesn't mean they're terrible. This is just slightly worse than I would have thought. So this is Oath of the Gray Host. Three and a black saga. Chapter one, you and opponent each make a food. Chapter two, each opponent loses three life. Then you create a treasure token. Chapter three, create three tapped one one white spirit creature tokens with flying. I have played with this card a lot because I'm very high on it. And again, want to be clear, this card is still, I think, a pull into black. It's just a bit slower than you would like. And you also run into some awkward spots where you kind of have to play it out on turn four. Yes. But it's not really what you want to play on turn four. And all that being said, like this is still a very good Magic the Gathering card. It just, there is some tension. It takes a while to get the spirits. And then when they come in, they're tapped. Like it is a lot rolled up into one card, but it's a lot of delay as well. If you untap with those three one ones, I think you're like 90% to win the game. <laughs> that seems excessive to me, but I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I love data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's some that's some good hard data for you. I had that with this. We haven't talked about this card. It's not on our list for overperformers, but definitely overperformed for me. It's Gothmog, Morgul Lieutenant, three and a black for a three, three. When ETBs, you amass orcs one and creature tokens you control have death touch. The fact that like the one, one human tokens have oh, death touch. I haven't run into that at all. Yet. That's that, gross. Your, your flyers, your one, one spirits have death touch with this is big game. And then you can kind of just play protect the queen, you know, put some protection exactly. spells in your deck. Another thing that's overperformed that I think you're going to be able to set up some blowouts with, you know, as the as the format progresses is the one in the black sacrifice a creature uh, draw two when you sacrifice a creature. But if it was legendary, you draw three. Mm. I've drawn three off that card and it is quite strong when you draw yeah. three. I mean, again, like make your make some derpy thing, make a one one token, a ring bearer, sack it, draw three. That's ridiculous. Well, and you also just know your opponents are gunning for your legends a lot of the time, right? Because they're good cards. And and there's legendary matters stuff in general. And so like, you know, reducing those is good. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into some top common re-ranking. Okay, so I'll I'll take the reins here on white. I think my list would be currently Errand Rider of Gondor number one. That's the three two uh, draws a card, discard a card. Unless you have a legendary, you just keep that card. I'm putting Nimble Hobbit number two. That's the one in a white one three. When it attacks, you can sack a food or pay two in a white. When you do, tap target creature and opponent controls. And then number three, I don't know about this, but I am going to just throw out Protector of Gondor. This is the three and a white three three that brings along a one one token with it. Just off the back of like Nimble Hobbit is a good ring bearer, good blocker for ring bearers. And similarly with the one one from Protector of Gondor as like a potential ring bearer too. I agree with you that White's commons are in general not great, um, but I think those might be my three. 
Well, so talk to me about Nimble Hobbit. Have you played with and against it much? Because I've literally not seen it on the battlefield. I, I played with it in my pre-release today. I, I don't know if I had it in draft. Like how it felt for me in the sealed today was just a really rock solid early blocker. And this was in black white. So like, I don't know if this is, is this good in, you know, white red, but I assume what I say for black white is probably true for blue white as well. Yes. It just holds off ring bearers from the get. And then eventually you can make it your ring bearer. Or what was nice for me was with, you know, my one, one spirit tokens later in the game, what I got to do was just be like, I don't actually want you to like be able to chump with like some flyer, or I don't want you to be able to, you know, eat one of my spirits. So I'm just going to serve with this, tap your flying blocker down and get in with all my spirits. Yeah, that's fair. Cards that are on my radar as well. Eagles of the North. I don't think that cracks the top white commons. But again, we talked about the land cyclers being impressive. Esquire of the King we haven't given mention to. I've played with that a fair amount too. I don't know if this is blasphemy or not, but I have been underwhelmed with the Esquire. That's the one mana one one. And you can pay five tap to give your team plus one plus one or it only costs three. If you control a legendary, I don't know if I've been building the decks wrong or what, but that card has not felt worthwhile to me. It's it's a red white gold card, right? Like that's the only deck that wants it. I think it's good in that deck, but I agree. It's not like I don't think black, white or blue, white really want that card. Right. So then it's not probably a top white common. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. All right. Moving on to blue in the number one slot. We talked about it already. Birthday Escape. That's a bit of a hot take maybe, but I do really like Birthday Escape. Also, blue is just incredibly deep, I think, and very good at building control decks. So there's a ton of different pieces here. And I think once you get into the drafts, you're probably going to know more of what you want. But mostly, I think what blue offers is amazing control tools. Uh, two, I could maybe see Glorious Gale here still. That's the the one in a blue essence scatter. And if it was legendary, the ring tempts you. I'm going to I'm going to trust LSV. I think this has to be out. OK, I, I would buy it. I've also been madly impressed by Arwen's Gift and Lothlorien revealed. We talked about that in the, the over performers. Um, a couple other cards. Isolation Orthonk. That's the three in a blue instant puts our creature in its owner's library second from the top. It's been a little clunky. Have you played with her against it? Yeah, I feel the same thing that you do about it being clunky, but I can't quite put my finger on it. It's been good too, but there's also been times where my opponent's cast and I've been like, okay, whatever. Which is weird because in black, and a spoiler, one black, black claim the precious is in the number one slot. That's the sorcery speed, kill something, and then the ring tempts you. That's been incredible. And I don't think it's just because the ring tempts you is on there. So it's weird, weird to me that isolation has felt as clunky as it has. Mm-hmm. And what about Ithilien Kingfisher, the two and a blue two on flyer when it dies, you draw a card. I'm a little lower on that. But again, I don't have much experience with it. So it's hard to say. M- mostly what I can say about blue is that I want to be building a control deck <laughs> with blue cards and I want to be drawing all of the cards. So then how about we? So I think that sounds to me like Birthday Escape is one. Lorien Revealed, that's the Island Cycler slash five mana draw three. Feels like that's number two. I kind of want to put Lorian Revealed at number one. Is that crazy? I love that, that card. That doesn't sound crazy to me. And then what about Treason of Isengard? The amass two for two and a blue, and you can top a spell from your graveyard onto your library. Card's been great. I mean, it's been very solid. It's as good as your other spells are. So I think it's a little tough for it to be a top, top blue common. Is it a blue, red, gold card? Or do you think it can belong in like blue, black as well? Or I think it belongs white? in blue, black and blue, white as well. Oh, okay. and, and the best use of it has been like making a body and getting back a card draw spell. 
Like Treason of Isengard topping Arwen's gift or Lorien's revealed after your stable is just game over. Yeah. I, then I kind of I kind of want to put some amount of birthday escape, Lorien revealed, and Treason of Isengard in that that three mix. Yeah, that's fair. Except, except I love Arwen's gift. I know you're really high on Arwen's gift. The thing that's hard for me about that is so Bath Song is amazing, but it's that uncommon. Right, there's and only Lo- so much card draw you can. And Lorien yeah. revealed is better than Arwen's gift. Yeah, I just don't. I, Arwen's gift feels like yeah, it's good, but you can find it elsewhere a lot of the time. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Moving on to black. Less of a. Those are perhaps our two most contentious colors. Uh, moving on to black, we've got claim the precious number one, as Ben said. Number two, Dunland Creebane. That's the three mana one one flyer that brings along a mass two. Number three, Mordor Muster. It's the one in a black mass orcs one and draw a card, lose a life. I mean, there's about eight, nine cards. You, <laughs> you could, could go you, so deep. <laughs> My brother really Nick could. Played, he played every single black card in his pool, <laughs> in his deck. Like they're left very, no cards on the sideline. They're very good. Yeah. They're just all solid. But again, what I was alluding to a little bit, I'm curious to see as the format evolves, how all this shakes out. I do think despite them all being crazy solid, the ceiling on some of them, I think, is is not as high as some of the other cards as far as how you combine them. Yeah, they're they're much more, I think, yeah. Yes, I agree with that. So you're saying like they're intrinsically powerful. They're not often not going to Not as synergistically do, powerful, yeah. Yeah, they're not often going to do more than that. Yes, except in red-black. I do think they all combine super well with red's cards. Yeah, agreed. All right, moving on to red, speak of the devil. Number one, I really want this to be Rally at the Hornsburg. Is it because you think Smite the Deathless isn't as good as you wanted it to be? Or is it because you have been so impressed by Rally? Both of those things, I think. Um, I just think they're enough to like Smite the Deathless gets just laughed at by spirit tokens and things that have four toughness just gets absolutely laughed at. And some of this was the blue red deck. I had four copies of Smite. So I was like naturally feeling that more because that was my only way to interact largely. But I also think Rally at the Hornburg is so important for red white. It's excellent in red black. If you're black, you're already going to have a ton of removal. But if it's the number one red common, it can't win the golden egg that's gonna bum me out i mean i'm i'm here for the hot takes i know our listeners are too so if we want to put rally at number one you you seem to feel strongly about it that's what my gut tells me i'm not i'm not like quite ready to say i'm right that's what i feel in my gut okay let's say let's say rally's number one smite the deathless number two can i throw out another hot number three for you Oh, yeah. Immediately co-signed this when I saw you put it in the show notes. I'm putting Rokirum Lancer at number three. This is the single red 1-1 human knight with menace. When it dies, the ring tempts you. It's a little tough because it's only really red, white or near mono red, right? It's not great anywhere else. Yeah, I guess not. Like, what are the... Because I'm thinking, well, it's good in Sacrifice, but you're right. It's really just... But it's very good in those decks. It's so good in red, white. Yes. This card is a beating... Yep, yep, yep. I agree. All right. So so we'll we'll say that for our, our hottest takes, and then that's it. There's only four colors, right? <laughs> Moving on to green. In the number one slot, Ensphere, that's the one on a green uh, fight spell. Your creature gets plus one, plus one, and then fights. And if it had power four or greater, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. Woe's Pathfinder, the one on a green one, one that taps to add a man of any color. And you can pay seven tap to give a creature plus three, plus three, and trample. And then in the number three slot, Enraged Horn. That's the four and a green, four, five with Trample, Ring, Tempsia. Big shakeup in green. 
Big shakeup in green. Yeah, no many partings, no mushroom watchdogs. Um, I'm I'm here for the the enraged horn. That that's uh that that checks out for me. That's a big body plus an ability plus the ring tempts you. That's a lot. Yeah, a lot in one card. All right, any final thoughts or impressions or takes you want to get out here on the record before we go? I don't know. I feel like we've got we've got the takes out there. I'm excited to get my hands on some more blue cards. I feel like that's the piece of the puzzle. I'm sort of taking, you know, I had red ranked number two initially in our colors. You felt pretty strongly about blue and I I see it. I just haven't played with blue enough yet. So that's the thing I want to get my hands on at first. Yeah, I am very excited to explore blue control decks uh, in this first week here. I think they're quite strong and I think there's a, a really high ceiling there. Yeah. And, and what do you feel is, what's your initial take on potential nonsense levels? I think kind of deceptively high. Because, of the, lo- because of the loops. Like, I mean, if if looping Lembuses to never deck is a thing that like any deck can do because it's colorless. Well, that doesn't do it, right? Because the Lembus makes you draw a card when it ETBs. Oh, so it has to just be. It has to be. It has to be Bath Song plus another way to loop Bath Song. Okay, but I, I don't think you need to go full on loops either to just also be able to grind. No, super hard. And if you do have two Lembus, like once it gets later in the game, you draw those Lembus more, and then mm-hmm. like your life totals going up, it just makes it very difficult to lose. I don't. I'm just really excited to explore a format where the good removal is great and card advantage is good. Like being able to cast a divination. It's been a while. Since like being able to cast a card draw spell has been good. It's a really good point. It was like I was I was touching around being like, well, like the board sort of stalls out a little bit. It's not quite true, but I will say it's felt like in these summer sets the past few years that they're quite aggressive a lot of the time. And I don't know if that's how this is gonna shake out. And I was worried that the ring tempts you, it being attached to attacking creatures. And is that gonna be an aggressive mechanic? And I mean, intrinsically, yes, but you're attacking with one power creatures like that. Unless you get to level four, one power creature connecting doesn't really matter that much. But the value attached to that with the loots, that's where the power comes from. Right. Well, and I do think the format's got it all right. I mean, red white can smack down. So there's going to be some tension in the drafts. I I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously very optimistic. When have we not been optimistic about <laughs> I mean, yeah. a format? We like magic. What can, what yeah. can we say? That was my other thought. This struck me at the prelude. I was just thinking about playing with the Lord of the Rings cards and it was cool. Like it was awesome. And I think I would have told you I would have thought I wouldn't have liked it. And I think I just love magic enough that I don't care what the cards say on them. Like, yes. Like the game is just excellent. And I was also thinking, I know they did Strixhaven as like not Harry Potter I would be through the moon if they somehow got Harry Potter IP. And that was one of the summer sets. I didn't know you're so is Harry Potter greater than Lord of the Rings for you? Oh, not close to close. Wow. But uh, regardless, love magic unabashedly. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to Cool Stuff Inc. for sponsoring this podcast. Look, and I'm not going to say if I'm not saying if you're finding anywhere. I'm saying I'm telling you to go telling you go to coolstuffinc.com find some magic product we know you're going to buy some get a booster box of stuff don't put it in a closet draft, draft it immediately right away and when you buy it use code lol to not only let them know hey we're supporting this podcast we're sending them over your way we love you guys 
but get 5% off your order while you're at it. Bang, bang, boom. Value for us, value for you. Check out all of our content on our website, lordslimited.com. We've got our tier list over there. We've got all of our episodes, obviously. We've got our merch over there. We've got links to our Twitch streams plus our YouTube channel. We've got a draft video up on there from each of our uh, early access days. And we're both on social media as well. Tier list update. I have been faithfully updating the tier list. Also, YouTube channel really trying to make a slow comeback here. It's we're trying, we're trying. We're we're it's some growing pains. We're we're <laughs> we're teething a little bit. We're trying, but uh, but we'll get there. If you have any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks everybody. See you later. And then just, you know, imagine combining this with something like Standwise, uh, Standwise, <laughs> you know, and then imagine combining this with something like Standwise. I did it what again. What in the world? I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry. My brain's breaking.